Hey, we're Damn the Wolves. I'm Jody. I'm Brett. I'm Rick. And this is Now That's What I Call Damn Good Music, the podcast. So today we're talking about um, what is probably, oh, I think it is the uh, one of the top 20 biggest selling albums of all time. And that is uh, Jagged Little Pill by Alanis Morissette, released in 1995. So I think anyone that knows me knows I'm a I'm a huge fan and I'll go into a little bit why I like it so much. But what about you guys, Joe? What, what? Yeah, I, I love I love this record. Um, I love Alanis. I, th- I think it's, um, yeah, it's our best work. I, I haven't heard this in years, to be fair. Loved it back in the day. And this is, I think before we did this, re-listening to it, it's like, blimey, I, I don't know how many years it's been since I heard it all the way through, but it's been a while. But what an album. Powerful stuff. I put it on, I hadn't listened to it for a, a probably two or three years I would have thought and when when I knew we were doing this I, I put it in the car the other morning and just it's I don't know what it is because it the time that it came out was a quite a weird time in my life so I can relate to it a lot but just hearing it again like now it takes you back and it's um when an album gets to you like that it's quite it's quite infectious stuff isn't it, it it is one of those great albums isn't it that you you dig out every few years put it on and think this is amazing you know every, mm. every track is is a banger mm-hmm. and uh yeah it's just brilliant. So do you want my backstory from what, what, why I got into it so much and why I became a fan and, and stuff? Should go we talk about it. that? Go on, go, go, Yeah, go. So, so basically, 1993, 94, I did the whole, I moved abroad, went, went away, went, went in, in, in a relationship and came back brokenhearted and uh, processing life and starting again. And, and this album sort of was released about six, seven months later when I got back. And um, as soon as you, I heard the single when it came out, you ought to know, and just um i think all that pain and bitterness that i felt about my my breakup and stuff i kind of really related to it and i'd moved into a little house by myself and i remember buying a buying a cd player and, a, and a, some speakers and sitting with a bottle of wine and a cigarette <laughs> on the doorstep and putting this album on for the first time and just being absolutely absorbed with the the anger and the bitterness and everything that was going on within every song it just i could i related to it and but she she wrote and recorded this when she was nineteen. Mm, I know that's it's insane. That's I mean how 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 was she that bitter at that age? And the openness and honesty that in everything she wrote about was brave, wasn't it? Um, it's on the back of like the I, I suppose the grunge era as well, where you know people were more explicit and, and talking about stuff. But I found it super powerful and could relate to pretty much every song. I think. I don't know about you guys. I'm worried about what lyrics you related to. And I'm just going through in my head the lyrics to those songs <laughs> and thinking, oh, God. I think, do you know, I think listening back now, that's what makes it so good, um, is that it, it was relatable to so many age groups. You know, from, from like, if you're 13 or 19, and even now listening back to it, you, it's just, you can re- really relate to it. And I guess that's why it was one of the best-selling albums of all time, because mm. it's, it's so universal. Yep. I was going to do that. Guess how many units it sold, but we've all read it, haven't we? We've all done a bit of research. Yeah, 30, 33, 30, isn't it? 33. 33 million. Amazing. That's yeah. incredible. I think listening back to it, I didn't realise quite the um, the grunginess and how 90s, not in a bad way, but oh, how 90s it's, it was. It's, it's, it's classic 90s, isn't it? But she, the, the, yeah. sound, the drum loop sounds, and it's just brilliant. But she classic. went on a journey before that because, I mean, not a lot of people know that, that she did two pop albums, you know, which were quite successful like she Canada-wise. must have been really young yeah yeah did uh, you read this on wikipedia or is this the super no, 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 fan no, I, 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 I am a super fan so i there i do know <laughs> a lot of stuff but i know that she um but they were they were the classes quite you know over the pond big successful albums and uh 
over the pond over the pond <laughs> but when she met when she met Glenn Ballard and I think he he came in he she sort of like had this anger and bitterness and he kind of put the pop back into that side and they, that relationship they had between the the rock grunge and his production influence I think is what makes what made it work so well I, I think like, I like that phrase put the pop back in the anger yeah <laughs> yeah and I think they went on quite a process to to get the sound to start with it was um there's a lot of to and a fro in before they and I think think they realised that they were overthinking stuff, and they just they took like part of the demo parts out of some early recordings to piece this together. And as soon as you hear the first chord of the first song and the first track, it's just like it almost sounds like a she's sound checking to get ready, and she picks out this harmonica, and it's like what's going on? But everything is just genius the way it works. And and when that am, I, am I right in thinking that they? I read somewhere that they they would, would go into the studio and they would start writing. And then they would aim to record that song, the demo of that song, the same day. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely the demo. I think, and some of those parts were used, and but I don't think the whole thing was. I think it was done over a period of six to twelve months. I think in total, were the harmonica parts used? I think so. Because <laughs> that's, I mean, you know, writing a song in one day is one thing, but writing it and demoing it is, I think, is is amazing. And and the way it's been captured, it's it was. And it's incredible, isn't it? It's, it's like it, it's almost underproduced and demo-like in its sound, but which is what makes it so, to me, so appealing and captivating. It's just because a, lo- a lot of the vocals were were, were kept when they were some mm. of them. Some of the original demo demo vocals were kept. Yeah, yeah. And another thing is back back then, you know, we didn't have the technology now with with quantizing and stuff with loops, and the loops were pieced or together auto-tune. in in yeah, in auto tune. So they were doing. The, the loops were used in like four bar segments and then you'd have to splice them together over the period of the song and you can always hear that kind of, I don't know, it makes it more just special and magic, I think. Can you hear those splices in it? You can't hear them, but you just know that it's not that modern technology now with how, how you can just put a loop on and just have, you know, it's just done and dusted in, in a few minutes where a lot more care was needed back then to to make that vibe and to get it to work, I think. You like this album, don't you, Brett? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so... All right then, Brett. As a drummer, mm. how many real acoustic drums are on there? I don't. Do you know what? I I, I should know that, and I question. I, I question how much. I think you ought to know. He's got some live drums that over the top of the loop. Yeah, because there's yeah, part, there's, there's parts, isn't there, where you think that's got to be live drums because yeah. it's got that live drum feel. But there's also parts you've got the obvious loop underneath, and then there's drums on top which could be live, but you know aren't. Which is, is another clever genius producer thing going on isn't there with Glenn Ballard I think it's just uh, but yeah I, I don't know as Brett as a super fan do you think I can talk about because um, obviously we've known each other years how much you like Delanis can I mention this I kind of have you can I mean I was always the I was always the, the one that grew up I mean when I was a kid I, I just I see this as a quick story I, I discovered Debbie Harry as a five or six year old didn't I so I kind of got into and then, and then I discovered clean. Dolly Parton as a 10-year-old. <laughs> and you laugh at it, but it's true. So I became a rock fan in the mid-80s with the, the whole Bon Jovi and that kind of thing. But I had this thing in me of loving female singer-songwriters. And I think that whole Alanis thing, when it, when it happened, and how she's the same age as me, and she was just cool. She just... She, I don't like that Hollywood perfect perfection of makeup and the perfect body and she just the, came the out dolly parton the dolly parton <laughs> that's all natural isn't it <laughs> wouldn't know but no like she just i don't know she i just related to her i just i just thought she was super cool 
And like I say, it was a time in my life that I, I think I needed to have something and someone to, to relate to. And she was that person. So I did become a bit of a fan. So I can remember when we used to go out and whenever you found anyone uh, remotely attractive, they would, the phrase you always used to say was, she oh, looks... they, they look like Alanis. Yeah. But sometimes the, the only link would be that they were human. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I ever once saw Alanis in any of the pe- people you sort of said, oh, wow, she looks like Alanis. Yeah. <laughs> so just, yeah, a bit of um, backstory as to why you were such a fan of Alanis. There's a little bit of you were in love with Alanis as well as the music. Yeah, yeah. I got to see it twice. I saw it back in the early 2000s, 2003, I think. And then uh, a few years ago at a festival, front f- bit of a story, front front seat of the uh, of the, the festival. Or front I was row. what front seat you were going to be in then. <laughs> in the front row, there's a Alanis song there, isn't there? I was at the front row. and uh, Was it a theatre? No, it was uh, 30,000 people in, a, in an arena. And, um, and, and uh, Plectrum came out. Straight into my hand, so I went home with a with a an Alanis plectrum, which was a a nice thing. Is that up on your wall now? It is with a photograph <laughs> I took. Made it into a necklace. <laughs> so we should we should. Anyway, let's, let's, let's dissect get back, the album. Let's get back to Jagged Little Pill. Um, should we do like a run through of the the tracks? Like, yeah, like a track by track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. So all I really want, track one. I love the way this starts. I like this. Genius, isn't it? I think it? you mentioned, Brett, the way it almost sounds like they're just rolling up the volumes. Yeah. She's got a harmonica in her hand, and then they just, they're in. Yeah. They go. Yeah, yeah, yeah really cool. I love that it's all based on one chord, nearly all the song, apart from the bridgey bit, which is a bit geeky, I know. But just as an introduction, and the lyrics, the... Yeah, the I, kind did, of, I, didn't, I didn't think that. It is. The, the verse is certainly all on, and I think it's just the kind of refrain in the chorus where it just adds a couple of chords to it. And it's just getting the lyrics out and setting the tone for the album, which I think is really cool. It's a great. There's a stop. Is this the one? It's the one with a stop in it, isn't it? Where's a yeah, silence? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a good moment. Yeah, I like that. The that's bridge cool. you mentioned about the bridge. I mean, how big is that? The the, the, where, the where that goes is just absolutely. Do you, do you know, incredible. for me, there's loads of songs that have got brilliant bridges on this album. Yep, I, I love a good bridge. I love a I love a good melodic bridge, and yeah several points on this album I just think this is this is brilliant this is almost like the high point of the yeah, song yeah definitely bigger than the choruses a lot of them aren't they yeah in that song it's the one chord versey chorusy thing that's going on though that makes the bridge just jump out so much I think as well yeah but I, I love her, how she pushes her voice to it's not um, in any way manufactured in what they've done after it's just like she just hits those notes and you know it's no, there's no auto tune on that thing is there it's just like you can just tell the raw kind of do you know again I think for me that's the theme one of the themes of the album is the way she's singing and the pitch that she's singing at and she's really pushing it her range is amazing isn't it it's yeah really but it, it gives you that kind of push gives her that edge of emotion mm-hmm. that you know obviously really comes across yeah definitely definitely totally agree with that what about the second track you ought to know I love this song oh. awesome this was the first thing what single, a bass part it? Yeah, the bass. What a bass part. So it's, it's Flea and Dave Navarro, isn't it? It from is. From the Chili's at that point. Mm-hmm. On uh, bass and guitar. Um, but what? no Chad Smith, Brett. No drums. No drums. But what, how, you'd never think about, oh, um, this is a bit drum geeky thing, but to put brushes at the start of a song that's so big, do you know, and the way that you just have this like, I, can't, I haven't got brushes with me, but I, you know, that kind of little groove and then it just kicks in into the, the, the verse after and then, the anger and the bitterness that that she i mean i think this is probably my my go-to record you know song on the record but i just think it's um her openness this and is honesty. the first song you heard 
Yeah, I mean, this was this was a single. This this was you on your doorstep. It's just anger, isn't it? She's just angry. She's just like angry and bitter, and I think that's where I was when I heard this. I was still angry and bitter about my breakup, and that that comes across in in for me and Flea's playing this as well. Yeah, the 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 bass guitar part's amazing. Yeah, he really digs in, and just classic Flea tone. Because I, I haven't heard this for quite a while. When I re-listened to it, I was quite, I don't know if shocked is the right word, but listening to the lyrics and the, the kind of, it's not anger, it is anger, but it's the, the openness and the kind of, yeah, it's quite, it is quite deliberately shocking, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I forgot how much, how great that was. And even now, like years and years later, thought, oh yeah, I can, yeah, that's so good. And you come out of that big angry second chorus and then you go straight into that drop again, like the intro where it just goes into that real solace of the, the, the what's that? So that's my, that's my, I'm tapping out, the, I'm tapping out the, dr- the drum. I'm sitting by my drums here. Um, <laughs> sounded, sounded like a timbali, which is what threw me. <laughs> oh, hang on a minute. It goes back to that kind of thing, doesn't it? And um, there's that complete calm and zen. And then you and get just... that amazingly placed slap. Or a pop from from Flea in that, oh, in that second verse, the slap on the face. That is my bow. yeah yeah. I know this is music geeky and all of that, but that's my moment of the album. Is just that um, and oh, the lyric the lyric preceding it, where it's um, uh, how quickly I was replaced, isn't it? Oh, I've forgotten the line now. Ah, oh, Brett, what's the lyric? It was just a slap like, in the face. How quickly, quickly I, was I was replaced, and then you get that bow. Oh, <laughs> yeah, amazing, it's just brilliant. Yeah. Why well, haven't got a bass guitar here so we can all go bow? Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's those elements of kind of human humanity isn't it and just hearing someone do it and it's just it's compounding the lyrics as well that moment for me on the whole album is the bit that i look forward to and yeah love that yeah bit. i reckon when flea did that in the studio they were just a rapturous oh, I'd applause love it. It went, mm. yeah, wouldn't it be a great story if it was just a, he did it as a joke and they kept it in or he fell off his stool and went <laughs> as he fell off and yeah. they, oh, that, that worked perfectly with that lyric and interestingly there's a guy out there who knows exactly what this song means because he's the the subject, the subject and she's never disclosed it or no one to this day knows who he is oh uh, he, he would be sweating he, he, he'd be thinking oh i wish i had a, a bit of the royalties on the back of that story dear but, um yeah i don't know um did you know there was a court case hang on i better get this right there may have been a court case against rob thomas the singer of matchbox 20 for the song push from an ex-girlfriend who claimed that he had taken things she had done and said to him and then put it into the song and she deserved a cut of the royalties mm. and i believe i could be completely wrong on all of this but it was thrown out and said it's you know it's it's kind of the the artist's prerogative to do that and be able to do that mm-hmm. there you go irrelevant piece of useless information that might not even be true ah, but might be interesting interesting so anyway back track to three perfect you see for me I, I i read this was the like the lead song that they played to the well they shopped it around to record labels and they, they signed to Maverick, didn't they? Is that Madonna's label? Yes. Or was, was that Madonna's yeah, label? Yeah, yeah, I've yeah, forgotten yeah. that. It was, wasn't it? No um, one, they, they, this, this album, interestingly, went to a load of labels before Maverick picked it up and everyone quashed it, didn't like it. Really? Was it Maverick. rejected by everyone? But yep, a, lo- a load of, load of record um, labels. This was, the, this was the track. I'm sure I've, I've read this. I might be wrong. I'm sure they took this track around to the labels. But for me, this is one of my less favourite tracks on the, on the album. Mm, yeah. And it, and sitting in the position of track three, you know, I always think you know you're going to have your bigger songs up front. It's a weird, it's a weird order, isn't it? As songs, I think it's I, I quite like that about the fact it's balanced. I mean, the biggest single off the whole thing, which is ironic, or the biggest hit, was is right down there. What's that? Right track? at the end, mm-hmm. it's like track ten? nine or ten or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah but, amazing. So, but when when hand in my hand in my pocket starts, 
it's for me that's just like oh this but is this going back to perfect there's a great moment in the uh, it's not my favorite song of mine off the record but the her singing especially in the bridge where it sounds really unhinged mm. and almost pitchy and oh sorry i just hit my head on the mic then <laughs> <laughs> um, it sounds really pitchy and unhinged and she's really pushing it and i, I deliberately sounding kind of a bit crazy that's a great great moment for me i yeah. like that yeah I, I, I get into this song i i i, I find it just ju- you're right I've, i hadn't considered the bridge the bridge that it's another one of those great bridges on this album isn't it and where she pushes her voice again is just like ah oh, incredible <laughs> Sorry. i can't see you i'm a bit worried by that no i'm just reminiscing can, can you see brett jody yeah i can see the top half <laughs> <laughs> oh dear anyway moving on quickly hand in my pocket wow <laughs> This 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 <laughs> yes, <I have>. <laughs> <laughs> seamless. Uh, this <laughs> this for me is like just the classic <laughs> mid nineties sound. You're right, Rick. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Rick's lost it. I'll be all right. Oh dear. Go on, Karen, Joe. This 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 hand hand in my pocket. <laughs> I, can't, I can't look at you now. <laughs> Is is the classic uh, like mid nineties sound? Yeah, the drum loops, the guitar sounds, just everything about it is is I think is brilliant. I know, absolutely brilliant. I, I lyrically, it's quite interesting as well, isn't it? It's all contradictions. The, yeah. the whole verses are just contradictions, and then the yeah. Mm. I can't, I can't, I can't make my mind up about this song. I like it. I just, I don't know if it's a favourite or not. I can't. I it think was a it, single, wasn't it? It was a single. I think when I play this in my car, this album, I think this is the the song that I always end up singing on the top of my voice, and I always give a high five <laughs> to myself <laughs> when it comes to that lyric. Hopefully, I, not when you're driving. I did it yesterday morning. When I was <laughs> yeah. listening to it. I was researching the album. And I was I was driving to work, and I was just there. I he is. It. He's driving with his hands off off the wheel. If anyone, so Mister Steptoe, um, before the accident happened, <laughs> yeah, I was giving someone a high five. <laughs> With one hand in my pocket. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Genius. Absolute genius. Love it. Love that song. I Shall we, shall we move on? Yeah. Oh, for, forgiven is, is the next track. Oh, what happened to Right Through You? Oh, it's not. Yeah. Right Through You. This is like reading a set list for me, isn't See, it? Reading so, the wrong song. <laughs> so out of, out of the whole album, this is my, not least favourite. Yeah, probably my least. Which one are we talking about? Right Through You. You you see, I really like this song. I I love the bass part in this. Mm, sounds like it's like a B side for me. This song, interestingly. I, Do you think coming back to the track listing, this is it, it? It makes for an interesting track listing choice because all of those big songs weren't together. They're spread throughout the album. Yeah, yeah, it's unusual, isn't it? Usually, it's, and even it happened back in the day, didn't it? With LPs when you, or tapes when you'd have to turn them over, you'd still often find that. Well, I suppose, yeah. I'm going through a load of classic albums in my mind. It's not, is it? It, it? I suppose it's just, it's a modern day thing, isn't it? Where you stack all the, the big songs at the start. I th- yeah, I think so. I, 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 I really like this song. I find these two songs in the middle of the album, I obviously don't know as well as Brett, but is it uh, Right Through You and Forgive? I do know. It's in, I've got the CD here in Forg- front of me. Yeah. These two sound the most grungy. They're kind of proper. Yeah. There's almost like some Stone Temple Pilots and... Um, Forgiven, the the way the um there's that there's a really cool nylon strung guitar at the start, isn't there? Which sounds yeah. a little mm-hmm. bit like um it reminds me of uh, Fragile by Sting, and I love that. Yeah, yep. and then the chorus could almost be um Ocean by Pearl Jams, Pearl Jams, just the one of them, <laughs> just the one Pearl Jam. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say Pearl Jams ten. 
Oh God. Uh-uh. Um, but that that nineties feel in those two songs, I really love. But I'm not sure if the songs for me are and lyrically it doesn't. Mm. For me, it's not the best lyrics on the album. Not yeah. for me. And interestingly, you got you got to think back then. Cassettes were still a thing as well. So you know, halfway through your album, you you always put that. Is it one where you have to go and turn a cassette over? Do you have to get the old pencil in there and, and wind it back, <laughs> spool it back. Well, that, was, this... that was when the tape came out, wasn't it? Yeah, I don't oh, yeah, yeah. You lost tape everywhere, yeah, yeah. and then you, you got your pencil out and you're winding, yeah, yeah. winding yeah. it up. I, I just, I, as a side note, I love the bass playing on Right Through You and Forgiven. Mm. I presume that's Glenn Ballard. Mm, yeah, I think think so. Hang on a minute. I've got, I've got I've got a CD here. I'll have a look in the CD, although... I, I, I think it's great. I think it's really minute. melodic mm-hmm. and just, yeah, brilliant. Really brilliant. Yeah. You I learn. can't read it. I need, I need glasses. I can't even read it. That's not Glenn Ballard. Isn't I can't, it? I, I can't did. read who it is, but it's not Glenn I Ballard. I can see him there like a, doing that thing where he's pushing it away further and further. trying to. His arm's not long enough. I, am, long I enough. think it's a font. It's a bad font. It's not my arm. Don't yeah, blame the font, old man. It could be someone called Lance Marillion. <laughs> 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 I know him. He played on that Pearl Jams album. Oh dear. Well, moving swiftly along. I do. Uh, you learn. Sorry, Karen. Is the next track. That was a big single. Yeah. Nice. Is that is that the one that she where she sat in the back of the car, Brett? Or is that? No, that's um. That's ironic. That's ironic. Oh. No, ironic. You learn. I, cool. I, I've just learned something. I am. Um, yeah. This this song's good, isn't it? It's just a. It's just a good. I, I this is my favourite song for singing harmonies on this album. Uh, yeah, interesting. You know, if, if you're if you're in the car and you're driving, or you're sat on the back of the bus like Eddie Murphy, and you want to bust out some <laughs> high harmonies, yeah, <laughs> you like is, that often, are you? Yeah, I find I have what to do a, a, a low octave um, to the to the main vocals anyway. I can achieve. So any you're you're rumbling along, are you? I'm rumbling along. I'm, I'm, up, I'm taking the high notes. Was Eddie Murphy on his way to prison? I believe he what, was. What film was that? Is it 48 Hours or... Ah, oh, that's it. See, are you often on the back of the bus on your way to no. prison singing harmonies no. to Alanis Morissette? But I do, I do like to sing if a high If you harmony. were, you'd be singing this, what mm. you learn on your way to prison. Mm. Yeah, maybe. I'd like to be in that car with you, Joe, doing that. <laughs> <I think. laughs> doing what? what? Just singing the high, high harmonies with my little octave low, your low rumble. Rumbler. You'd have someone for the high fives as well, Brett. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yes, nice. No, def- definitely agree. Great song, great song. One oh. of my uh, other favourites is is the next track on the album, "Head Over Feet." Thoughts, Joe? Um, I really like just to be a bit musoey about it. I really like the chord progression in the chorus. Okay, um, Ooh, what is it? Explain for I, people that aren't. I, I, don't, I don't know what they are. I just like the movement of it. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I think it's a little bit grungy. Um, it's good. I really like it. It's a strong track. Do you yep. think lyrically it's there? It kind of balances out the, the anger and all the, the rest of the album. She's kind of admitting that she's she's got issues and that she's hard to deal with, but it's all, it's sickly sweet, isn't it? It's a love song. Yeah. But, and I get why that fits on the album. Does that work for you guys? I'm, I'm not, I can never decide when it gets to this, whether it just feels a bit like, mm, I don't know if it's, it's, if it's, if it's deliberately nice in a way. I, I think there's, there's a little, yeah, there's a little bit of that in it. I think it's her. Yeah, don't be surprised if I fall head over feet. Mm. Yeah. But I think for me, it's it's a nice kind of pace before the song that comes after it. 
I kind of feel like it's slowing down a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I was going to say that about the, the way that the next song sort of leads into the next song. Why why they probably put it there and why it works so well there. I, I was going to have a look at the lyrics, but I can't read them obviously because I think I need glasses. It's a really bad font. About why um it's head over feet and not head over heels. Do you think? Is that an American thing? Canadian thing? She's Canadian, isn't she? She is. Head over heels. It's sing better than heels. Um, uh, it's just changing it, isn't it? Yeah, it's probably a, a over the pond thing. <laughs> <laughs> I can read that she she sang and played harmonica in this. I can read that right. I wonder. Uh, interestingly, about harmonica, because it features a few times in this album. How how much of a harmonica player Alanis was before, or whether because obviously she's kind of famous for that now, isn't she? On the live shows as well. And, I I think the harmonica in this. Obviously, she's not Stevie Wonder, is she? Or <laughs> hey. <laughs> hey. Jerry's got are. his harmonica out. There we go. I panicked the then. I thought, out. I thought, I thought she was here. Then, Jay. I, thought you, I thought you boys would like that. Oh, I put one hand in my pocket. Then. <laughs> <laughs> Do it again oh. and I'll give you a high five. <laughs> Do it again so Brett can see you. I reckon you'll look like Alanis. I, I think for me, I, I love the fact that it's like that it's like a chord, isn't it, on the harmonica. That It's... It's, it's brilliant. It's got that Bob Dylan, Woody Guthrie thing, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, but I love it. And I think if she articulated how she played the harmonica on this and was going for a single note thing, it wouldn't have worked. I um, I think it adds quite a nice texture, timbre to it. It's just, it's just something a little bit different, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's not something you'd heard on that kind of record. Although I did read some, I did do a little bit of research and I did read something and um, that just made me laugh a little bit about how they were, when they were writing... Uh, her and Glenn Ballard. Am I pronouncing that right? Yeah, Ballard. Um, and he he was playing guitar and they're writing these songs and guitar, whatever else, and doing programming and they're playing all the loops. And she sang and brought the harmonica. <laughs> and I just thought, I wonder how those early demos with just like a drum loop going and her on harmonica and writing a song that way around goes. I just. Mm. Hey, don't knock the harmonica. That's the best instrument to take to a gig. Yeah, that's in your. That's in your. That's He's in just your loading, pocket. isn't it? That's one hand in your pocket. And you're, you're away. <laughs> Not if you need them in all twelve keys. Yeah, true. That's big pockets, then, isn't it? Well, what would you need twelve? It's still in a rucksack, isn't well, it? Bit, well, yeah, I guess so. So leading on, because I think I, I, I think we spoke about this earlier, Joe. Mary Jane is um. Yeah, I, magic. I love Mary Jane. I love the thing I love most about it is her vocal performance in the second verse. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I I don't know what it is. Um, do you know what I love most about this? And I'm going to sound a bit geeky. Is Brett, you'll appreciate this. It's in nine eight, isn't it? Time signature. It's in threes. It's in triplets. It's in, in three. Four. Yeah, it's in. So it's, it's like a waltz, it's but in waltz. triplets. But the yeah, when the, the when the live drums come in, it yeah, it plays out. Ah, uh, there are live drums. I think there's live drums on this. I, I was dissecting this when because it's a it's a great groove, isn't it? Because it's not your four four thing, and it's um. It is nine eight, isn't it? Well, it depends how you count it. it could be three what? four. Yeah, but it's in triplets. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I think that's really cool. And did you? It's it's yes, yeah, waltzy. Did you know? I'm sure you both know this. Um, that Mary Jane is um like code for marijuana. I did know that. I only knew that because I love the song by Tom Petty, Tom Petty. "Last Dance for Mary Jane." Yes. And also, it's a great song. And it was I. I don't know if I was researched. I was reading about that, and it's like, oh, it makes more sense now. I get mm. it. I was being a bit dim. Do you think that's what she's? Do you think that's what this is about? I don't know. I don't know whether she's she, she's the subject. She's Mary Jane, and she's talking. I've, I've never quite understood whether she could be 
but you don't think it's about herself. the um i think the, also you know the, bearing uh, in mind she she wrote this as a 19 year old it could well have been about one of her friends yeah, yeah. That, that you know she was going yeah she, she was seeing going through stuff yeah and you know and and just it, it was it's as simple as that mm-hmm Definitely. Okay, should we oh, move no, on? It's to, a great song. I think this was point of the song before we move on. That, that is that bit where it just has that um that hallelujah line where it just um sing hallelujah in a choir and you just get that hallelujah and it's that big oh yeah, yeah. Oh, and I think for me that's one of the most magical parts of the whole album. I don't know why. Just going back to sitting on the doorstep with my cigarette and my <laughs> bottle of wine in the nineties. I always remember that as being quite a poignant part of the album. It's probably well into the wine by that point. That's probably why. Probably. Yeah, you're, you're going to be near the end of the bottle, aren't you? Mm-hmm. That, that far into the album. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Instead, I had one hand in my pocket. <laughs> <laughs> so ironic is uh, is the next song. So Rick's got an interesting fact that he told me that when we first met, probably about seven years after this album came out, I think, when we first met, and we we discussed this album when we we, we became friends, and you always gave me a, a, a thing about this song which I never actually worked out until you said it and now it's, it's quite a famous thing is that I don't think I was the first to come up with this no you weren't the first but you were the first to tell me when I was quite possible. I was quite gutted in a way I thought I suddenly thought Alanis wasn't really that intelligent anymore because you well, no, no 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 I never meant it like that I just yeah the, the thing is which is is widely written about I think is that um the the song ironic has all of these these things, things which that, she's yeah. deemed ironic in the verse, which aren't There's none no, of it, it is irony. Yeah. It's it's bad luck. Yeah, or unfortunate, or and I don't think there's a single ironic thing in the lyrics. And I wasn't trying to be negative about it. Just is that something she's talked about since? Yes, it is. I think you, you can read about that now, and they, they talk about it. And I think they realised after they quite early on after they recorded it. But and I don't. It's not. I don't think they make a lot of it. So I have I have another theory about that. Well, the first thing is it doesn't. That's the cool thing with music and songs and art, isn't it? It doesn't matter. It's just a great but song. Yeah, I was and it just going to say matter. it doesn't matter. It's it's a great song. But I have mm-hmm. another theory about this. And do you think it's ironic that her biggest hit, "Ironic," was not about irony? Is that the whole thing? Was she being super smart and deliberately writing things that weren't ironic to be ironic, knowing sure. it would be the biggest hit? I think I lost myself in the middle of saying that. Possibly. Mm. I don't. I don't know. I don't know great song though it's an amazing, amazing song. song definitely it's massive and this is the one with the video isn't it with her playing different characters in the yeah. car so this is the one in the car this is the one in I'm the gonna car to, I'm going to have to get myself you on YouTube and, and refresh my memory yeah I'm pretty sure don't tell me you didn't watch MTV back in the day I, I did but I watched so, I think I watched so much that it, it's I all know become you did. a bit of a blur <laughs> I know you did um, what about the next for me the next couple of tracks it, the album tails off a little bit yeah, I was, I, I'm with you on that. Yeah, I, I, I kind of think if she'd have, if it had ended with ironic, it would have almost been ironic. Possibly a, a would have been ironic. Strong, strong ending. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, what? there's there's bits of not the doctor that I really like. I love the the snare cracks, the double snare crack going into the choruses. Kaka. Yeah. Visiting hours and nights. That's not a real snare, is it? That's a. I I don't know. You, you're what? gonna have to you're gonna have to look this up for us, Brett. Mm. You've got your phone there. Look up. Is it a real drum? We need to know. I, I think t- that's I the thing. We, we need to know. Or if anyone knows, write to us and let us know if it's a real drum. Yeah. We need to know about the drums. We need to know. And, and Wake Up obviously sort of follows that. And yeah, that it's just not as strong as the others, is yeah, it? Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm with for, you on that. This album on the whole, there's like nine out of 12 tracks that I just think are brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, that takes some doing, doesn't it? 
I'd forgotten there's a hidden track at the end. Well, there's You Ought to Know, there's a remix of You Ought to Know, which, again, I don't, it has no reason to be on there. So you could finish up with Ironic, does, forget. Does, does that depend on which version of the album you've got? Is that Was that on the original? Uh, was that on your cassette that you had to get up halfway? I don't remember the... having it on cassette when I had cassette, going back in the day. But it's definitely on the, the CDs that I have but, now. But the hidden track's always been there. The hidden track is just... Uh, uh, I, for, I forgot the hidden track was there until you reminded me. Yeah, I was the Because same. I thought that song was on her second album. No, no, no. It was on this. She, she did a thing in Nevada where she went out and did an acoustic thing and they found a big cave and they, they made a film documentary of this and she did Your House in This Cave with like all the natural reverbs. And it's, well, that's where it was recorded? No, no, no. This is what, something she'd done after. Oh, okay. Just to match the, the, the reverb of the, the original. So it wasn't recorded in a cave in the no, I think Nevada it was desert? Just, no, it wasn't, no. But did I think she, you'd have power issues there, wouldn't you? Did she used to do a live Well, version? they managed to film the thing, so... <laughs> <laughs> you can't hear a generator in the background <laughs> yeah, running. <laughs> Jenny. <laughs> um, uh, did she do a live version with a whole band when she toured? Did, have I heard that or have I made that up? Uh, yeah, there was a thing where she, um, she did and her bandmates would disappear off stage and let her sing it. And then she got to a point where she wanted the band members to stay on stage well, she did the a cappella version just so that the band members could be immersed in the whole experience of doing it. Just that's a well-written thing. While we're talking I've, about I, the I touring just, and the band, I was just going to say I, you kind of Brett, you gave your introduction as to how you got into this album. For me, it was a little bit later, mm-hmm. and it was something I saw. I don't know where it was. American it was, Talk Show. I know what you're going to say. No, it, no, it was somewhere like the Roseland Ballroom or something like that in New York, where it it was like a, a televised MTV gig, mm-hmm. and and I just happened to flick it on and, and I was like this is amazing and I was so drawn to the drummer mm-hmm. who as we all know yeah yeah a very Taylor young Hawkins. a very young Taylor Hawkins yeah and, and for me that's what captured me was his just what he was putting into these songs so then listening back to it after seeing that and then realising that there's not a lot of live drums on it yeah I, th- I just thought he brought the whole thing to life. You couldn't. I don't think you could have done that album live without having that energy. I think if you did it with the that kind of drum machine vibe, it wouldn't have. You couldn't captivate the audience the way that he yeah. managed to. to and I think to do. also, you know, with her, the way she was, she she, she parade around the stage. Yeah, you know, it was real. This angst was. Yeah. Just the 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 way she moved, uh-huh. and she still does. I mean, that's not changed. You see her show now. She still she still walks with that angst. It's like she, a, re- a real pace around the stage, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, she's high behind her hair a lot in the early days, and I think not so much now. But I think that was her uh, sort of a self-conscious insecurity thing that she had. But those long, long t-shirts with hair over her face and just, just hiding away, and and I say just uh, and, and with that energy of Taylor Hawkins and what he gave to the songs. Yeah, and you, you listen to the songs nowadays. You know that that hasn't tailed back. That energy sort of with the the band that she has now is is still there. And amazing. I, I need to go back and find um, some life. There must be life stuff on YouTube. Or There's like an early one. Of their Taylor first, Hawkins. their first recording. They did a, a. I think it was one of the famous chat shows in America, where they where they started promoting you ought to know. Yeah. And he was. He just. You know, instead of having that weak thing, he's like, dang, dang, cack, cack. It's a real heavy kind of thing. You know, almost like a a, a grungy kind of. But it, it worked so well, didn't it, with those songs? Yeah. And whether that, out later, that that kind of aggression of his playing, yeah. tied in with the aggression of her lyrics. Totally. Her performance was yeah, yeah, and interesting. She else. was on tour with, um, he was on tour with Alanis when he got the call about um auditioning for Foo Fighters. Um, with yeah, Dave yeah I read that. We've yeah. all heard this story. Yeah. Yeah. She Dave she Grosberg. actually encouraged him to yeah. to take the job up, and I think the, his death recently, you know, is on her, her tour is um really did affect her because they were super close. Yeah, I think I think you know 
him and and the rest of that live band were a massive part of her early success. Yeah, with those live shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Jason Orm still still plays guitar now. Still, um, who was the bass player? Was it Chris Cheney? Uh, and uh, could well be some. Mm. It's some guy called Lance in the album. It's, Can't read it's his not, surname. Yeah, it was. I think it was Chris Cheney on on the tour. Hmm. I've got to get glasses. That's depressing. Yes. Right, we, 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 need to be, need we need to be wrapping this up. Yeah, yeah. Chaps. Yeah. Um, okay, so what should we do? So standout, standout, standout song, standout moment? Favourite track. Oh. For me, it's You Ought to Know. is my favourite song on the album, I think. And listening back to it, it's my favourite. And without sounding like a real muso, I just love that bass note that Flea pops and goes bang. Yeah. I just And I could listen to, this is no disservice to the album because the album's amazing, but I love listening to Flea's bass line throughout that whole song, which mm-hmm. is... Not yeah, the album I realised for me it's either that one or Hand in My Pocket just because it really epitomises uh, that mid 90s sound I, I love I love it I mm-hmm. think that's a great track yeah yeah. I, 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 there's, there's so many I th- you ought to know is, is one that I relate to obviously I, I think Mary Jane is just because it's that other end of the scale with just really? the vibe yeah I, there's something that always gets me with that song oh that second verse go, go back and listen to that second verse mm. Yeah, and you know we just Stunning. spoke about it, but your house at the end when you if you if you learn the words of that and you're on your own and you you sing, <laughs> you're not in the car this time, not in the car, just at home, just having a listen, and you um you put that on and just crank it up as loud as you can, it's it's super special. Okay, I might I might try that. Cool, cool. Should we leave it there? Yeah, then? yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks, thanks for listening, everyone. It's been really interesting and talking to, certainly from my perspective, talking about something that I'm I'm such a fan of. So really enjoyed that. Cool. All right. So we'll see you all soon. Until the next time. Cheers. Thanks for listening. Please check out our band, Damn the Wolves. Find us at damnthewolves.com and please follow us on all the usual socials. 